I've had like three people talk to me and be like, so I, I looked at your podcast, but I didn't see episodes one through three. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just look at them and it's like, yeah, we started with episode four. And they look and they pause and then they get it. Hey everyone and welcome to What's Up With Money, an ongoing conversation to help make sense of today's financial confusion. I'm Ryan, a writer and millennial who's asking the questions. I'm Ronald, philosopher and financial advisor who's given the answers. From outdated 1980s financial advice to magic social media strategies, we aim to shine a light on what's really helpful, lessen financial anxiety, and better understand money. Thanks for joining our conversation as we ask, What's What's up up with with money? money? There's two questions that have just like changed my life over the last few, maybe weeks. I don't know. But one of them is like, if what you know, if what you believe about finance were to turn out to not be true, when would you want to know? Immediately. Immediately. Yeah. Or like a couple today was like yesterday. Or yes. like, and it's like, yeah, so much of what we learn just, man, it's just, it's not the way it really works. Mm-mm. So, which is probably like a great you know, segue into like, why are we doing this? Yes. Okay. We let, let us dive in. This is the the finance menace, (laughs) the financial menace, the origin of what's up with money. So Ron, what, what is up with money? Why are we doing this? Well, like I told you before, to get rich quick. Naturally. Because so, everyone knows if you want to make money fast, you make a podcast. Yep. The biggest thing was just sort of when I, like I've always thought of money as sort of fluid, which most people don't. They feel like it's more rigid. So I, I never felt like I really fit in the money world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as I worked in different operations and business and di- did different things, it all the more just felt different than the way I think most people think of it. So then when I actually started in finance professionally, there was just so much of it that was like, whoa, (laughs) everything we learned might've been weird. (laughs) Like everything I thought I knew, I don't know if it makes any sense. Yeah. You know, I don't know if using cash for everything works because cash is a weird thing. I don't know if, investments it's like you took the red pill and you I might have you awakened yeah yeah and i woke up in like a pink goo blob <laughs> and i pulled myself out <laughs> no i don't know it was it was just sort of one of those things where it's like ah, i've always felt funny about finance and money mm-hmm. i tried not to rhyme too close together because it's weird but it was it was really sort of that and then doing a lot of study and things like that that i was like oh this is just different than the way we've learned or mm-hmm. the way we were told or, and so that was sort of a little bit of background of sort of where I started going, like, we got to do something different. Right. So this podcast, you know, by now we've had three episodes out and for those listening, this is the prequel. This is the prequel. You've, you've been acquainted now to the foundations of, of Ron's philosophies here and for the purposes of this episode, for 
what this podcast is. Is it meant to then criticize what we've been taught? You know, we've talked before about, you know, our whole catch, our whole slogan is that we are kind of, I, I forget it verbatim, but we're debunking 1980s, old 1980s philosophies, as well as that magical social media finance yeah. advice you get. And so was that kind of the inception behind the idea is, is you felt like there was a lot of, there was a lot that people were being told that was false and you wanted to help clarify? Yeah. I never like the idea of being against anything because I, I believe that the different financial tools and each of the financial personalities or gurus or all this stuff, it has a place. Mm -hmm. It's not false. And, and to be against stuff tends to not, that's not usually my mode. It's so, also not proactive. It's more reactive. Yeah. And it, and it's oftentimes not helpful for people to be like, well, what you think is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, that's it's just right. how to win an argument. Like, yeah, it doesn't, it, that doesn't work. And most people don't need more people telling them that they're not doing it right. Mm -hmm. They're not doing it correct or that they're stupid. We already feel that already. So we don't need another person saying that. So for me, it was looking at like, when I started understanding what the popular advice was in and outside of the actual professional financial world, and then starting to understand the origins of different strategies, like maximize your 401k. Okay, why does that make sense? And really sort of asking from a positive perspective of like, why would that be a thing someone would advise? Why is that good? Why is that good? And then going, okay, now what are the implications of doing that? And then really trying to understand that and then seeing if that, does that actually accomplish the goal? Mm -hmm. So it's more of an analysis rather than a criticism. Yeah, I, I tend to be that way just in general. Some people feel like my analysis is criticism. It's where I, <laughs> I lean on like facts or friends. Right. Like it might, it, you, you know me, I tend to be a little bit more neutral, even yes. though some of the things I say might be loaded. <laughs> so, but in that it was like, oh, I think a lot of people are trying to execute strategies mm -hmm. that don't work today. Right. Where then that's where a lot of that financial confusion and anxiety comes from, which is another another reason why I feel this podcast exists is yeah. to help clear. I mean, episode five was all about, and, and six is all about the financial anxiety ride and helping people realize that they're not alone, that they're on that ride. Yeah, because I didn't want people to feel like, so like we'll take, we'll just take, live on the 401k for a little bit, like, it was built at a time where tax deferral was needed back mm -hmm. in the the mid to late 70s. Taxes were high. So deferring taxes was a great prospect. <laughs> right. Your taxes probably weren't going to get higher from that point till now. So it made sense. So now it's like, okay, does that still make sense today? And I'm influenced by a Harvard psychologist named Ellen Langer who wrote a book on mindfulness. Not a financial book, not part of our book recommendation series, but basically she looked at it and looks at things and says, okay, if you just do, does doing A in context A make sense? Yes. 
okay, well, does doing A in context B make sense? Mm -hmm. And what I started to realize based off of her thinking was, oh, we've been doing the same thing and recommending the same strategy for 40 years. Mm. It's like, but the world has radically changed. So much. And so does that strategy, and that's where I think we just, you know, bucketed as 1980s advice. Right. Does a lot of that stuff still make sense? You touch on something really interesting, and I don't know if we necessarily have. I always do. (laughs) You're just that kind of guy. I don't know if we necessarily have the time to go in on this, but mindfulness when it comes to finances, I think that is something that most people definitely struggle with. I, for one, was not mindful about money for a very long time. And when you start becoming mindful is when you start realizing, oh, these things I've been doing, as well as this advice I've been given, doesn't necessarily work for me. And I think that's a fantastic goal if anything, for this show is to help people become more mindful about how they use their money. Yeah, and I never want people to feel like, like in one situation I could say the 401k that you have is terrible, and then in a different situation, the 401k that someone else has offered is a magical, wonderful thing that they need to take advantage of. Right. And I think that's part of like the weirdness of well, because I think I think you've said before, at least maybe in private, that there are instances where the four hundred one k works very well for someone, but it works well for that particular person. Yeah, and and then what happens is generic advice is tends to be what is more packageable f- for selling, sellable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. It just and so if you if you can give a strategy of like, okay, here's the steps. You max out your 401k, you max out your Roth IRA, you do this, you do that, you'll be fine. And and it's like, well, for most people, there's a few limitations in there. Like most people can't save 30,000 a year into their retirement accounts. And then what are the limits of doing that and the tax implications and and all these things. And so my mind started going through all of that and going like, oh, (laughs) like, this is this is different. Like we are in a different time, mm-hmm. and then that's where I started looking. Okay, what are the alternatives? Well, the alternatives to like that traditional nineteen eighties advice and some of the longstanding sort of you know professional advice, as well as advice from CPAs and advice from gurus. Then you look at like where we live now in like a post iPhone world mm. with like TikTok and Instagram. Yes, you know, heightened by the fact that we all lived on it in. For three years. Yeah, it's like it's like all that we've been fed is this whole other thing that's like there's this whole wild west of finance that yeah. like if you're not doing, you're dumb as well. Right. And you're not getting rich. And then but those strategies are also so wildly outside of the realm of how most normal people practicality. Yeah, it just it doesn't yes, they work but they're not for everybody. Mm -hmm. And then the same of like looking at 1980s advice, they worked at a time and in a particular way. And there are some people that are very successful and do very well using them, but they might not work today. Right. So then what, what are people left to do? Yeah. You throw up your arms 
and you just kind of you're on the ride and yeah. <laughs> yeah well and the ride this this is one of the things i was thinking about with the ride and we'll talk about some other things and have some one-off episodes about this but the ride doesn't all like if you just let the ride happen it never ends well <laughs> and 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 i think that's one of the things that i i actually appreciate about these different ex, you know poles of the financial spectrum of like they all encourage people to be active like that's one yes, thing they that do. they all get right be active be aggressive be understand your financial situation be do act make decisions you know maybe take on risks maybe do things but for most people it's like they're trying but the end result the whole system is not geared for just if you if you're just on the ride it ends well <laughs> like it's not it can end fine and okay right but ending up that takes work yeah. And I think that's one of the things that most people find themselves sort of scratching their heads of like, you know, oh, I, I make 60K a year. How am I supposed to buy several Airbnbs? Or <laughs> I make 60K a year. How am I supposed to put 30,000 away for retirement? Yeah. Or, you know, even if you make like 100K a year, how are you supposed to put 30K away for retirement mm -hmm. after you've given the government 30K and you have to live and... And things. So yeah. it sort of just looked like this weird, impossible situation. And I know that there's a way through, but doing either one of those might not result in an outcome that's positive. Yeah, you do feel like you are because you know, I am I am I am there. I've been there and I'm I'm going through, but you do feel like you are you're walking <clears throat> you're reaching out through the darkness, right? And you're looking for some sign of light to help you point the way. So you see advice from these more professional, well-known gurus and you see their light and you're like, okay, there's a way through. Maybe I'll do that. But then you go on TikTok and you see all these different little lights and you're like, oh, maybe those, maybe those I can follow through. And you don't know when you don't know anything, when you're truly in the dark, you don't know where to turn. It is so confusing. And they all seem like, I guess I should be doing that. I guess I should be doing that. And you don't really know which one is more appropriate for you until you keep learning and you're most likely going to make some mistakes because yeah. you're going to do things that don't necessarily work for you. And it can be very frustrating. Yeah. Well, and you're a writer and you know like what writing is. And there's a big difference between a novel and a full script versus a five paragraph essay. Right. But most of the TikTok advice and the guru advice is a five paragraph essay for how to how how, how to, to financially succeed for the rest of your wealthy. life. Yeah. And speaking of speaking of that, I th one, I think a lot of people are so focused on their profession that to then use the brain space to think about money in that way can be tough. Because you're working on becoming the best you in your, whatever your occupation, whatever your vocation may be. And you're working on excelling in that and hoping that, okay, if I excel in this, I'll start making more money. And through that work, I will find success. Which is kind of traditionally how people have made money. And all these other voices coming at you are like, oh, there's other ways you can make money. You can make money drop shipping. You can make money on Airbnbs. You can make money by stucking, sticking it in an envelope. Like there are, there are a lot of different things that you can do and it kind of just becomes chatter. 
And when you get a lot of chatter, all you can, all you think is, okay, I'm just going to focus on what I know. And what I know is my occupation. And so I'm going to ignore all this and just do this. And I'm just going to be on this ride, I guess, you know, so it can be hard in, in that perspective as well. Yeah. And this is where I, I will always tell people, I don't mind if you follow a guru or 80s advice or TikTok, because at some point you have to decide what you're going to follow and listen to and, and, and do, because if you just let, if you just live in chatter, then it usually is paralysis. Mm -hmm. And that's where I see like, there's, there's a lot of gurus out there that I disagree with. Like they're like Voldemort to me. Like you don't say their name <laughs> and it's like, I hear their name and I'm just like, Oh, mm -hmm. but for those people, they have found someone that has helped mm -hmm. and that's good. What I don't want people to do is even like with, with this and with what we're doing, it's like, I don't want anyone to listen to this and be like, Oh, this is gospel. Right. Like God has spoken. Like yeah. this is, this is the way like, no, like we are offering a perspective on the way to think and hopefully opening up people's minds to do a few things like seeking professional advice, mm -hmm. talking to people, engaging more about money and hopefully relieving anxiety and understanding the world better and being open. Cause I think a lot of times what happens with the different strategies is they close down people's minds. Cause most of those strategies have certain things that they recommend that they believe works and in, in some cases they do, but then they also have incentive for recommending those things. Mm -hmm. Some of the way they get paid and, and this, that, and the other. But what I want people to do is to go in order to move forward financially, you have to open up yourself to things mm -hmm. that might be uncomfortable, might be outside, might take more effort, might take more thinking, more, more time, mm -hmm. but there are people that will help you. <laughs> You're yeah. not alone. And I think that's one of the things that when people with money especially find good money partners to help them through, it's wildly better. Yeah. And it's statistically proven people that work with financial professionals end up having better money experiences. Yeah. They end up making more money. And it's it, many companies have done studies that show like if you work with an advisor, if you work with a pro – your returns are going to be better. Well, cause then you have someone to you lean know, on. Like I said earlier, when you're, when you are focused on your vocation and that is where your mind is at, as well as your family, who knows how many kids you have, who knows what other responsibilities, what type of caretake you are, or what have you, you sometimes just don't have the brain space. And so to have someone that you bring in to help you with that also just relieves the burden. Yeah. It's like, you don't, you don't go, and do your own medical diagnosis. Right. Yeah. It's like, well, no, you go to the person that knows that. Right. And, and you essentially, and we've talked about this at times, like building like these networks of people that know and have expertise in different areas mm -hmm. actually helps people progress way further and faster than if they were to try and do it on their own. Right. Or just to learn how to do it. Mm -hmm. Like the amount of information that I've, crammed into my head in the last five years about finance 
it would make most people like die <laughs> and go like, yeah, but that's like scratching the surface. Yeah. And so what I know is wildly more than the average person, but to then go and expect the average person to then jump in mm -hmm. and understand this world, it's, it's not feasible. Right. And yet we sort of still treat it like, Hey, you're not good with your money. You're, you know, you're screwing up, you're screwing up. Yeah. Like, you know, and you can learn and you can know. And it's like, no, it's a full-time job. Yeah. And then some. Mm -hmm. And that's just to understand money. Yeah. And then, you know, you still have your full-time job and your family and other things like that. So it's it's important to find help. Right. Speaking of help and professionals, let's dive into a little bit on who you are, and maybe even a little bit as to who I am, because I'm sure people are wondering who the hell is asking all these questions to Ronald over here. I just want to make sure we're not making all this up. <laughs> uh, we'll start with you, because yeah. you are the, the philosopher, the professional in the room. What... I guess, what is your episode one, personally? What is your origin story? What brought you here? And why should we even be listening to you, man? Yeah, that is a great question. Well, the federal government gave me some licenses. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, but I don't want to lean on that because a lot of people have licenses and stuff that, you know, it's only part of the story. And so I say, like, even like in looking for professionals, like some will say, oh, only go with people with licenses or, or designations. Like, cool. I met a lot of people with those that don't have any business doing anything mm. for other people. And then I've met people that are very knowledgeable and know things that don't have that. So again, you know, for me, I wanted to make sure I had the best of both worlds. So, you know, for people that know me know that my background is in educationally, I say it's in philosophy, theology, ethics. That's what I went to school for. It's what I got a master's degree in. And then professionally, it's like a completely different world. It's like yeah. I've always been in business operations, business management, you know, whether it's hospitality, retail. I ran a bunch of food units and then, you know, I've run some nonprofits that are large and then always wanted to do personal finance because there was something about it that was like, ah, making a company more money is fun. <laughs> but it's like, ah, it's not as rewarding to me as like helping other people like helping right. people individually yeah. and i think that's always been part of sort of my ethical and social sort of mindset that i've had i love to help people i'm kind of a sucker for it but you know on the professional side then it was like okay if we're gonna do finance we need to do it all like so we need to get the licenses that does you know take the tests do the business understand it study all the time as well as continue to read and and do all the stuff philosophically. So I've kind of always tried to marry both of those together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like where we met back in, you know, 15 years ago or whatever, yeah. it, you know, managing Jamba Juices and stuff all yeah. over Southern California. <laughs> yeah. It's like there wasn't much space for philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> but there were ways that like bringing in in that case of like, developing people, young people to understand business, to understand and grow and take over the business and run 
Like I th- sometimes I like, man, I, what was I thinking? Like letting 19 year olds run million dollar businesses. And then, and so then taking all of that like forward and being like, okay, how can I use all of that, all of my knowledge and information that I have about the financial world and help people for real? You have been always good at fostering people. It's just kind of this natural paternal side to you to get into a little bit about, I guess, me and yours and, and mine relationship personally. I, mean, I met you back in 09, I believe. It was my first job at Jamba Juice. We've people we've talked about this on the podcast before. Yeah. I was your first boss. At W2 first job. boss. First W2 job. And you, you not only fostered me, but a number of of coworkers I worked with, and a number of us ended up becoming shift managers either at that particular location or at different locations around the area. And you just kind of always had that side to you, and you always had it was always fun. You even though even though you took your job seriously. You didn't take it too seriously. You had... The, it we was, were making smoothies. We were making smoothies. You, you understood the assignment. You understood yeah. the tone. You got the context. You were like, yes, we're running a million-dollar store, but we also work with frozen fruit. And so, come on. Like, let's have some fun. Yeah. And I think that is one of the reasons why we that store in particular fostered so well and did so well is because it was this environment of not only like, Hey, do your job. We have a job to do, but also like, Hey, come on. Like, you know, we crack jokes and we, and we have a good time. And that was hard to find when I branched out from your store to other stores that was difficult to find elsewhere. So everyone that's listening, if you go to a Jamba Juice, you will see my legacy. And I have to brag. And I mean for real. So we've we've talked all about the psychology of money. Yes. All that we can possibly talk about. That doesn't like ruin the book for people to read. Exactly. You don't want a spoiler. Correct. We already hyped it up. Yep. So this section now is more about in general what our book club is. Our book club is. And the idea. Is that it's better than Oprah's. (laughs) One day we will have What's Up With Money magazine. Yeah. Well, we will. Well, magazines are dying, so. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Well, we then won't have that, but we'll always have the book club where every month we recommend a financial slash money book of some sort that we feel is apropos of either the topics we're talking about that month or what's something that is appropriate for the time yeah or just in general knowledge you know our first book the psychology the psychology of money by morgan housel is just a good solid foundation of like setting your mind right when it comes to how you think about money and your own personal finances yeah and we'll try and blend some thinking some philosophy with just some like more like practical books as well Right. So, so that you get both. Correct. Because we love our listeners. We do. We do. Our first book was way more psychological, psychological, philosophical. And our next book, you know, we'll, we'll drop that next week. But our next book, I, I believe, is a little more practical. Yeah. Okay. And usually with the practical, it usually is more specified to a specific 
financial thing. Right, right. Rather than like this broad. Right. They, they, world. There's a, it's a it discusses a specific financial topic, be it about retirement, savings, the market, what have you. Yep. Okay. That's well, the plan. That is the plan. And so we, you know, one a month, 12 a year. I don't think we'll run out of books, but nope. <laughs> hopefully you guys stay intrigued, stay interested. Of course, for you listeners who have a book that you really like and you think we would really like, uh, leave us a comment. Let us know about the book. We may already have it planned out for a book club or we might not have ever heard of it. So please let us know, you know, when it comes to finances, as with anything, the, you know, we only know what we know, what we have so far educated ourselves to. And so if there is something you think that, oh, this would be great for you guys, this would be great for you guys to talk about for other people to know, let us know about it. Of course, we love to read. And we think reading books is a great way to sort of supplement other stuff that you're doing to learn about money. 100%. You're, I fully believe that you're never too old to learn and that if you know us who are constantly evolving, constantly trying to better ourselves, learning is essential in that. Exactly. And so we hope you enjoy the What's Up With Money book club. And now on with the show. On with the show. But back to you. So we met way back then. Yes. But you had dreams and aspirations and have had a career since then. Yes. So what brought you to this place of us talking? That's an excellent question. So while I was working at Jamba Juice, I was beginning my undergrad in cinema and television arts and with uh, eventually emphasizing in screenwriting through a journey that was its own roller coaster and still pretty much is i realized that screenwriting was my vocation it's what i'm meant to do it's what fits me the best it's what i enjoy this is what i'm doing and since then i have been figuring that out and writing and networking and working where i can and it's been a slow growth but it's been a growth while doing that being in that type of freelance occupation, wandering occupation, it doesn't exactly bode well for the wallet. <laughs> <laughs> so where my other friends have been a little more concrete in what they want to do, have been a little more immediately successful in what they want to do, I have been watching them make more money Meanwhile, I have sometimes been losing money and I'm like, this is not great. And I've talked a little bit about what's kind of woken me up in finance already. But that, I think, was why I started down this road, because I am only making so much money. And I got to a point where I was like, okay, this is all I have. I used to think that you know, what, what my kind of illusion of being an adult was that at some point you get your big boy job or your big girl job and you start making the money yeah. capital, capital, the, you make the money and life is good. Yeah. And so I was waiting for that big boy job to give me the money. 
And that was my whole plan. I wasn't saving. I wasn't really budgeting. I was just like, I don't have to worry about that because once I get the job, the big boy job, I will be making the money and then I can deal with all that. Yeah. But as I kept working and as I kept hunting and wandering and figuring things out, that quote unquote big boy job never arrived. And at some point I realized I'm just going to have to figure it out right now with the, with, with the purse that I have. And so that is what kind of brought me on the journey of, you know, I think the, the first book I've talked about, this is, was total money makeover by Dave Ramsey. Ah, <laughs> and I know, I know you, you're not the biggest fan. Don't say his name, but he does, he does put a budget together pretty well. And so <laughs> that helped. I know he, you literally just cringed. <laughs> you cringed, but it helped me contextualize. No. And so I started with that. But even like through that and the baby steps and all that stuff, I kept feeling like there was more I could be doing. Like I was you like, weren't a baby. And I was not a baby. I said more than wah, wah, and goo, goo. And I thought there should be more. And while I was in this thought of like, man, I don't, there's more I should be doing. I don't know what I should be doing. You, you magically reappeared into my life. And as well as my, our, my good buddy, Alex, and was like, hey, how are you guys doing? Let's grab, let's, let's get together. And we were like, heck yeah. When we were at dinner, you talked about what you were doing. And, you know, instead, if you guys want to talk to me about it, let me know. And in my head, I was like, oh, this could be what I'm searching for. And so I, you know, hit you up and we talked. And sure enough, it was what I was looking for. And you helped me with that. That's how most people feel when they talk. (laughs) And then even after that, though, I just kept on, you know, thinking, is there more I could be doing? Is there more I could be doing? And then eventually we had dinner recently and you said you had this idea for a podcast. And at the time I had just finished a podcast with my buddy Alex that was all about beer and not nearly as philosophical as this is it's just the most i, I don't know as, you, <laughs> as your main listener i found it to be fascinating so. oh my gosh uh it's called friends drink beer i don't even know if it's still up alex might still have it up but it was it's pure nonsense pure nonsense we there's some good beer information i learned a lot about beer you as did i through that was like three years of of having a different beer and learning a lot about it it still is my favorite beer podcast oh why thank you thank you but anyway, that was that was done, and because I did, you know, that was like my 10,000 hours of podcasting, and you were like, hey, I have this idea, and I was like, well, I know what to do, and so here we are, and we partnered up, and so far, it's been going swimmingly. Well, and I, I think what, for people listening, I think one of the things that's interesting about our dynamic is, Ryan, you are one of the most curious people. Thank you. And you have an ability to, you're informed, you know stuff. And you also question in a, in a good way. And finance requires me question yes, in, in it does. so many ways. And even some of the stuff I've told you, you're just like, whoa. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Back up. Yeah. Like, no. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. But I, yeah. I think it requires that. And I, I think the dialogue that 
we have one of my hopes, I wrote down some hopes. Like one of my hopes is that this is helpful for people to know they can ask questions. They can. And you should. And yeah. question everybody. Question us. Question Voldemort. Question <laughs> the different things that you encounter. And and educate. Like you, I think, are one of those that has decided, like, no, this is important. I know it's important. I'm going to learn. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go to different sources. I'm going to question Ronald. I'm going to be like, bro, that 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 sounds nuts. Yeah. And I prove you wrong. And then, <laughs> but then you, you continue there like, okay, what, what about this? Yeah. Like, what does someone do here? And I think those are the types of things that people are asking. And that's where I think most people are, are like you. They're sort of in their working years. They're pursuing career. Maybe they've got a good job. Or maybe they're your friends that have like a solid, stable job and they're not doing gig work like you. But most people are in that age of like working and trying to figure this out. Yeah. And they're asking questions, but they have no idea where to go. And they don't know if like are other people asking questions because we don't talk about money. Mm -mm. And so it's like, I'm pretty sure everyone's asking a lot of the same questions you are. And so hopefully I'm a good sounding board and have answers to those in a way that opens up more dialogue, opens up more conversation, and hopefully provides some knowledge and expertise that I've got. It might not be all of the financial world. I don't think I understand all of it, but I understand... I don't think anyone does, no, nor should anyone try. No. Uh, we, uh, we talked about earlier in a, in a couple episodes ago how the money knowledge is like a vast ocean yep. that's impossible to drink. Yeah, And so I, I, the, I, I, I do not try to understand everything. But like we've said before, there are a few things that if you specialize in it and focus on, those are what you should be really learning. And to your credit, those questions I give you, I've been impressed with what you've been able to throw back at me. (laughs) And yeah, you know, know, when when you're when you're saying something and and my my whole philosophy with this is that if I'm thinking this question, there must be other people who think it too. Yeah. And for me not to ask it is a disservice to those people. My dad is also a radio is a news reporter. And so I think like being exposed to him and him telling me and, and watching him give interviews, mm-hmm. maybe just through osmosis has affected, you know, my, and, and has made me the curious person that I am. And kind of like, I'm, you know, with this, like your context led you to this. It is. Yes. There is a little bit of that. It's really, really funny. My dad works in radio and I never thought I was going to be in radio. And yet here I am on basically the new radio, which is podcasting. So I think it's, it's weird what, what fate does, but let's, let's talk a little bit more about what your hopes are for this podcast. We talked a little bit about the past just now. Now, now looking into the future, what, what is it that, this is the, the ultimate purpose, the ethos of what we're doing. Yeah, I thought like, I don't know if thousands and thousands of people will listen to this or if it'll <laughs> just end up being like our supportive family and friends. I don't right. know. The, I mean, the dream is always like you impact a lot of uh, people. We're going to sell out stadiums. That's yeah. We're going to have our own eras tour. You just wait. Sounds great. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> That is one of my, that is actually one of my dreams. But I think for me, it was a journey of realizing I have valuable things to offer people 
in the way they think about money. And it probably took me a long time to get to that spot of being comfortable and confident and knowing like, no, I actually think this is valuable and people will have some things here in what we talk about that will really help them. And so that then became a motivating factor of like, oh, we got to, we should do something. And if one person listens and is like, oh my gosh, my financial world is different. My anxiety is lower. I'm starting to explore and do new things. I'm reaching out for questions and answers and things to get my financial situation better. Then I'm like, great. I, we've done our job. I also think like I want to influence a lot of people to think differently about money because it's central. Mm-hmm. It really does make the world go round. Even as much as that like makes me cringe to say it, it, it is central and it's central to livelihood. It's central to the difference between poverty and all the implications that that has, as well as just what money can do and afford for people and how much it can create life stability. Yeah. So all of those things together, I think my hope is, you know, there's this weird, wild world of finance and most people are ill-equipped to understand it, but there's ways that through dialogue we can bring people along. Yes. And, and educate and make it so that it's not stressful, not terrifying, not overly complicated and hopefully fun. So it's, you know, money is not when you, when people think of fun subjects, money is not there. (laughs) And so the idea of one of, if I, if I'm to bring in my hopes for the show, the big hope for me would be to normalize talking about money because through normalizing a discussion of money, you can then eventually make it fun. Because right now... Like you don't start every daring conversation with, hey, how much you got in your bank account? <laughs> you know, you know, Sydney and I have, we have what, what we call Friday finance meeting. We even have a jingle to it. It goes, Friday finance meeting. It's the best meeting of the week. That's how we make it fun. That's, that's the whole jingle. It's just that one line. I, I haven't come up with a second lyric yet, but that's so far it. Uh, that is, there is no need for a second lyric. Thank you. Uh, but we sing it every, every morning when, when we do it. And it's, it's just, you know, we, we talk about what money, you know, what's coming in, what we've recently spent money on the past week, how we're doing for the month, and where we're putting our money, you know, how we're making our money work, what we're, what we're saving for, blah, blah, blah. And it's really, I mean, talk about helping strengthen our relationship. Money is never an issue, ever. We've lived together now for a year and a half, and not once have we thought about money. We've discussed money and, like, where we feel like we should be putting it, but it's, it's never been a contentious situation. Mm-hmm. And that is because we, from the get-go, when we moved in together, we were like, we are going to normalize talking about money. Because for me... We never talked about money in my house. It was one, we talked a lot about, you know, religion and other subjects, but money was never discussed. And and to my parents' credit, I think that was because they didn't want us kids to feel like whenever they were hurting or anything, they didn't. So I I really never knew how we were doing financially. I just knew we were like, I, I played video games and the shows I wanted to watch were on TV and there was food on the table every day. And I went to school and I never was money even a thought. Yeah. And now I kind of wish that they talked more positively 
about it. I would, you know, I had allowances and stuff like that. And so like, but that was the most it went was like, I earned an allowance every week. And Sydney did not have a great experience with money. Her like not not to like talk about her situation, but it just wasn't that it wasn't that great growing up. And so when we got together, it was like, okay, let's make sure that we are communicating about money. And so my hope is that through this podcast, it inspires others, even if you don't have a significant other, just within yourself, within your your own family, whatever you have, that it makes you feel more comfortable to talk about finances because that's the only way that you can grow them is if you talk about them especially yep. if you're looking to go to a financial advisor if you handle the best professional in the world they can't do anything for you if you don't tell them what's <laughs> happening and so you're yeah. gonna at least with them you're gonna have to be able to discuss and have a financial discussion and so that is what my hope is for this podcast to inspire that that's great well, and I think our recommendation will always be to get a professional of some sort on your team. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we'll have different things as we go about just, you know, where to go for that, who, what to look for, questions to ask. We'll kind of have all those things to kind of help you sift through, like, the difference between 80s advice, social media advice, and then what works for you yes. today. Yes. And now winding, winding down, let's, let's bring up how those listening, if they wanted to interact and follow us, what they can do. There's a few ways we are on Instagram at what's with money, because apparently what's up with money was taken. So we are at what's with money. We'll find you <laughs> on Instagram. You could also, if you have questions for us, leaving us a review on either Apple podcast or Spotify. You can ask us a question there. We're looking into other other platforms for this, but right now that's where we're at. So if you leave us a review, a question in the review, we will possibly answer it here on the podcast. We are in talks of a website and therefore in talks of maybe having some type of email address that you can ask us something a little more directly, but that's still in the works. Yeah, and we'll have we'll we'll continue to evolve got to remember this is the prequel stage of the <laughs> podcast so you know we had our we had our hit with you know four five six. Oh yeah now we're going back to the beginning yep. and then by the time disney buys us we'll be making billion dollars bucks yeah so Buco bucks but uh, we really want to be a financial dialogue and we want to dialogue with as many people as possible because the more dialogue that happens, the further people get financially, the less anxiety is found and the better off everyone is. 100%. And especially because Ron and I are coming at this from only two contexts, two perspectives. Yep. And so the more of you that reach out to us, write in, ask us questions, tell us your context, the more perspectives we get. And the better we can then serve the greater what's up with money community <laughs> that, that is sure to grow exactly. through this show. Well, and it's, and it's to sort of, you know, realize that financial strategies that are in a box oftentimes don't apply mm -hmm. to everybody equally. And that's where people get hung up and they're like, oh, I can't do, I can't do this thing, but I feel like I'm supposed to. And so for every context that's out there, there's probably someone else that's similar. Mm-hmm that would benefit from knowing and learning and understanding it. And then 
that opens up more freedom and yes. which is only good. Right. So that's the that's the ultimate aim and that's why we want to do this and and help people want to understand money and also try and just figure out what's up with it. <laughs> what up what with, is up with up? it? Right. Yes, this show, you know, from what you've heard at this point we've been done a lot of big ideas, big thinking. We eventually do want to bring in a little bit more contextualizing, more practical real world advice and 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 things to help you guys. We also will continue to have book recommendations. I hope you all have been reading The Psychology of Money because it is a fantastic, you know, if this is your first ever finance book, it is what a way to start. Such a great one. We'll have, there are our activities on Instagram on our show notes that can help you help under better understand your own financial situation. We're soon other resources to come as well as every, you know, f- few episodes, you might have some secret after credit scenes, like all your favorites, adventure movies. <laughs> adventure movies have next episode. We're going to once again, dive into an actual more of a financial specific topic of the 401 K or as you like to say the 401 nay. <laughs> That was almost, that was a title for the show. I was like, what if we call it the 401 nay? So, but until then, to, before we officially wrap it up, let us end it on Penny for Your Thoughts. Yeah, Penny Ronald, for Your Thoughts. What do you have to say to the What's Up With Money community to leave them on? Money's designed to be fun. It has one purpose, and that's to be spent. People... Look at me funny when I say that, but it really is like it's either now or or later. So make money fun, make money a good partner. We hope to be a good resource for understanding some of the weirdness and the ins and outs of some of the financial world and hopefully help you make money fun by asking ourselves like, what's up with this thing called money? Yes. So, which is really the heart of what we're here to do. So remember money is fun. Money is fun. And with that, we will leave you guys. Have a good week. And I don't really have a good closing. You can't really we'll say just, we'll see you next time because we'll this is audio. We'll, 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 we, well, we won't hear them next time either. They'll hear us. Oh, uh, yeah. Thanks for listening to What's Up With Money. We'll continue our conversation in the next episode. But until then, please subscribe to rate and review the show. Giving a rating or review helps other people find the show, so if you like what you're hearing and you want others to hear it too, please give us a rating, share us on social media, or both. Reviews are also where you can leave us questions. So if you have any financial questions for us, please leave them in the review. We may answer it on the show. We love questions. We'll be back next week to continue our conversation and hopefully get a little bit closer to answering the age-old question, What's What's up up with with money? I was trying to think of, of, you know, because for episode six, it's the, you know, money anxiety ride strikes back. And then uh, the return of the money anxiety ride. Yeah, the return of the money anxiety ride. But for episode one, is like a, a phantom finance. Like, what are we going to, but it's also like, we're supposed to introduce Financial us. menace. A financial menace. I don't know. I know. I think the financial menace might be funny. Like yeah, if, we, if we are the financial menace. Spelled I with P-H. Spelled with P-H. So like phantom? Yes, but- exactly. 
yeah, the whole first six episodes plus is just an homage to, yeah, Star Wars. Well, and yeah, it's 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 great because I told the couple today like I love Star Wars. They're like, oh, okay. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like, because <laughs> I like to use Yoda in Empire Strikes Back says, you know, you must unlearn what you have learned. Yep. And I think, like, I've used that with so many people in, like, the financial journey thing. I, that could not apply more to finances. Yeah. Because cause our whole, the whole philosophy of, of that, you, you grow up in financial anxiety. You must then, un, you know, battle that, unlearn the demons that you've been given. Yeah. Or whatever. And, you know, become... Newly acquainted with this new knowledge, yeah, and and with money, and it's a whole it's a whole journey. You you it does feel like when, you know, going down this journey with you, I do feel like Luke Luke Skywalker trying to levitate like four boulders out of you know at once while balancing on my hands or whatever. Well, pretty it, soon I'm gonna get in a blue backpack and you're gonna carry me around. <laughs> I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I sent you that. I don't know if you did. You read through that whole inst- that whole TikTok I sent you. Did you go through oh, it? all the stuff? Yeah, that guy, yeah. It was is a lot. So and and, and the freaking song. Uh, I had to turn my volume off because that song was irritating. It repeated every like ten seconds. But he basically, it's it's this Twitter thread where this guy blasts these pessimistic predictions, basically saying that we're about to hit a recession. Yeah. And it's going to be bad, even worse than the last one, because not only is the market going to be down, but inflation rates are going to stay high. And so it's going to be a stagflation or because and there's you know basically no relief. And then he's like, here's my advice. And his first advice, <laughs> Sydney sent this to me and she's like, this makes me upset. Like she was like, I'm infuriated. His first advice, make more money. Which I was like, genius. Why did I not think of that? Oh my gosh. Why did I not think of that? Let me just go make more money. Oh my gosh. That that that's it? That that's all I gotta do. That's number one was make more money. You know? And then I think two and three were like I think two was like live below all your means and three was invest. Which is like, wow, genius. But the fact that his very first advice, that's what got me, was make more money. It's just like, you can put that with any financial advice. Oh, you're, you're in debt, make more money. Oh, you can't afford your house, make more money. It's, it's like, sure, that's great advice if you can somehow do that. Yeah, that kind of stuff just kills me because it, it, it's so common, but it's so dumb. It's so, like, it's so dumb. That, that's again, that are these, you know, we were just talking about the, the five paragraph essay of finance advice. That was a kindergarten learning to write. <laughs> yeah. That's what that was. You know, he's, his R's were spelled, were written backwards, backwards on that one. It's, it's just so, it's so, it's so, I was going to say rudimentary or, or immature, but like it, something along those lines where it's just, it, it's not helpful. It's not real advice yeah. at all. 
It's no. it's it's him. It's it's a bunch of fear tactics, and then him being like trying to get people to follow him. You saw what number four was, though, right? What was number four? By my course. Oh yes. <laughs> yes, of course, always by my course. No, it's it's just that kind of stuff is just it's just not helpful. No, 